right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the No Laying Up Golf Podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined today by my partner in crime, my radio broadcasting cohort, compadre, struggling for more words here. That is Mr. Cody McBride. Cody, how was your return to the States? How long did it take your body to adjust? You're listening to the AIG Women's Open on the BBC. Thank you. Big, it's been amazing. I think I'm finally over... My jet lag, I was a little leggy boy last week. I'm sure you can attest to that. Uh, but, you know, it's been great. Uh, immediately went right back into full kids in school, managing schedules, a little construction going on in this house. As people have listened to me on other podcasts, the great office project of 2023 continues. Took a little time this week to put some shelves up and painted my wife's office, but it's been great, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm laughing because God, it took me. I, I honestly didn't start feeling good until like Saturday, Sunday, really. <laughs> and uh, that was like five, six days after we got home. And I didn't have to deal with three small kids, house projects, uh, the heat and humidity that you're dealing with down in Texas. You know, I, I had a much lighter degree of difficulty and was still feeling sorry for myself but we're we're doing good now it's nice nice to be back home back in some routines and uh i know this is a show we're looking forward to we will get into our run of show but we're going to be talking a lot of solheim cup today before we jump in i want to thank our partner and that is titleist this episode is brought to you by titleist and specifically the Voki sm9 wedges the most played wedge on the lpga pga tour and across the worldwide tours. One of the biggest keys for players any week will be controlling their ball flight. High floating wedge shots are hard to control. The best players in the world control their wedge shots by keeping their ball flight down and spin rates high. Voki SM9 wedges deliver those low-flying, high-spinning shots by utilizing a progressive center of gravity matched to each specific loft and grind resulting in an optimal ball flight with increased accuracy and forgiveness. Using tapered top lines and varied hosel lengths, the Voki R&D team has raised the height of the CG in the higher lofted wedges, which promotes a lower, more controlled flight. Combine that with Voki's patented spin mill grooves, which are meticulously engineered to maximize spin, and you get the controllable flight and spin you need to hit it close and keep it close. There are a number of ways, folks. There are a number of ways to figure out which wedges are best for you. There's the wedge selector tool on Vokey.com, V-O-K-E-Y.com. There's the Vokey wedge fitting app, which can be used both indoors and outdoors. Or you can log on to Vokey.com to find a fitter or a fitting event near you in real life. Codeman, how's your wedge game this summer? Oh, it's been great, big. I think you can maybe attest to that. I've been hitting some some high floaters, some low nippers, and just spinners all the round. I think that's what you know. We both were fitted by Bob Vokey, the man himself. We had to. We were given the opportunity to spend some time in his office and seeing him just like going through his R and D process, looking at what that next wedge is going to be looking like. It, it's it's phenomenal process. Truly the best in the business. But 
I'm so pumped. Like, I know we talk about this all the time, and this is uh, not part of the ad read, but I think I, me personally, my game is, it's never been better. I think I have incredible control with forgiveness. I have incredible feel that is like, it, it's like a new, newfound love for the game of golf. I love going to hit balls again. I want to go out and play more and more and more. I just got to get out of this heat, man. I hear you there. And if you'll allow me to just plug one of the wedges I have and and maybe the most satisfying new ability I, I have, I guess, would be the way to phrase it. My 58-degree wedge is in an S grind, and I, it's never been easier for me to pop the ball out of bunkers. The, this wedge just slices through the sand. The ball jumps out of the bunkers. I've always struggled to get you know that that little pop loft on my greenside bunker shot so having that wedge in the bag the turn that you're looking for there is that thump you want to you want to thump the sand yeah you know i don't always even get the thump i try you know i want the thump i don't always get it but even when i don't get it you know i can count on that ball getting out just a great tool would encourage people to check out the Vokey website the app or go to a fitting event in person near you we thank titleist for being a great sponsor of ours and certainly uh these lpga focused podcasts so code man we have as i mentioned we're going to talk a lot of Selheim cup today we are recording on tuesday august 22nd team europe captain Pedersen just announced her four captains picks we're going to get into that i'm going to have you assume the captaincy of team usa I want to know your captain's picks. We're going to talk about matchups and who didn't make it. That was a part of the 2021 Solheim Cup. A ton, a ton to talk about. Before we get there, though, I want to look back and look ahead on the LPGA calendar. And um, looking back will be the, the ISPS Honda World Invitational from Northern Ireland, which was played last weekend. And, of course, looking forward to this weekend the Women's Canadian Open up in Vancouver. How does that sound, Cody? I love it, buddy. So pumped to talk about this. This is a huge week in golf. Last week was a great, great week. First win for an LPGA rookie. I'm excited to talk about her. I think I had some takes about her earlier in the year. Going to have to go check the record on it, though. But let's start in Northern Ireland, man. Yeah, let's do it. The aforementioned rookie. I, let, me, let me ask you this. Well, I should say, anybody that didn't catch it, Alexa Pano wins for the first time in her LP in her young LPGA tour career. She's just turned 19, actually won on her birthday. Crazy how those things work out. She's a rookie on tour this year. Cody, should this be how big of a deal? Let me ask you this. How big of a deal is this win for both Alexa personally, but also for the game, you know, a 19 year old American winning in a rookie year. It seems like this should be a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a bit a huge deal for her. I mean, she was did not have a very good rookie year. She was struggling to make points here. She was more than likely gonna go back through Q series and probably really end up like probably back on uh Epson tour next year. But this win completely changed it all. I think this is a huge year uh in general for a lot of these rookies. I think specifically when we talk about her and her game, people might rem- remember the name from the Netflix documentary that came out a long, long time ago called The Short Game. <laughs> Ten years ago. Well, yeah, her and uh, Amari Avery were probably the two standouts that we can talk about from that documentary now. And, it, 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 you know, that documentary looked into basically the U.S. kids 
I think it's U.S. Kids Golf Association. Their national championship is held every year in Pinehurst. And when I lived in Pinehurst, every year, basically the end of July to the beginning of August was an absolute madhouse because you had tens of thousands of kids and parents and everybody just come into the village and, and everything was booked. You couldn't drive everywhere. You couldn't play golf anywhere. But it was great to see. You saw the next generation of all these kids. What I remember most about this documentary is the relationship between her and her father. And it was kind of juxtaposed by other parent-child relationships that were in the documentary. And, and you know, at that time, it was a lot of, I remember at the time there was a show on ESPN, I think it was called like Helicopter Dads or something like that, or Helicopter Parents about like peewee football parents, like controlling, managing, doing everything for these kids. And you kind of got some of those vibes from watching some of these parents and their child who were playing in the national championship from the documentary. And I think uh, if people who have followed, I know it's, it's difficult unless you're like a true golf sicko kind of her development through the ranks from playing in those national championships to coming in. She qualified for uh, drive chip and putt multiple times to playing AJGA and growing and learning and getting more and more repetitions through that to making the decision to turn pro at a very young age. I think most people remember she had the the New England Patriots logo on her hat at the time, but that was also her first sponsor that she ever like she that she signed with when she turned professional. And she's been out there grinding it. She's played in all these different state opens. She played on the uh, Epson tour. Finally came through last year. This year Finally on the LPGA tour, it's crazy to think about the 18 years old at the time, but now 19, just turned 19 on Sunday, her peers. And when we talk about like her peers, not just like Amari, but she is still younger than Rose. She is younger than a lot of these other like phenoms that we're talking about that are coming through the ranks of college right now that we were talking about about the U S women's amateur or watching Anwa or anything else like that. Like she's still younger than them. And now to have her first professional victory, it's just, it's awesome. And I still have some weird feelings. I'm not going to say this. I got to dig in because I don't quite know what the relationship is. Her dad is still caddying for her. I'm going to say it's harmless for now, but you never actually know. It seems like it's a great pair. They're obviously successful together. He was out there taking pictures of her and everything like could not be more proud of what his daughter accomplished with this first LPGA victory, but I got to dig in and report Mo. That's as much as I was hoping to get it. it I, I think you hit on all of my feelings there. I, I always find it fascinating. The different routes people take to professional golf. Of course, you said the name Rose Zhang. We have seen her win us amateurs. We saw her set records at Stanford. She has been, you know, a top-ranked amateur and, and somebody that we've just been dying for them to turn professional and, and to see how she competes week in and week out. And then, yeah, to juxtapose that with Alexa, who turned pro early, chose not to go to college. Um, besides the U.S. Kids Golf Championships in her background, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to see her at many amateur events. We, we did see her at Anwa the first year. Yeah. She was the youngest competitor there. But just never quite dominated at at the at the high amateur level or the college level, and she comes out on tour. She earned her card from the Epson Tour last year, and like you said, not 
a whole lot that would lead you to believe that she was going to win last weekend. Dude, she but opened she, with the 76. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's being generous. Like nothing in the season, nothing really in the preceding weeks. I mean, she hadn't had an LPGA start since uh, Midland, I believe, in, in mid-July. Yeah. But shoots a, 60, a Sunday 66 on her 19th birthday to get into a playoff and outlasts a couple other women to, to get that first career victory. It's amazing, really. And I think what I'm most curious about is just how she responds now, right? What what it's going to be like the next couple weeks. Is this truly going to be a flash in the pan for her this season? Or can she start to stack some good weeks on top of each other? And if she does, you know, we'll see her at the CME Tour Championship this November, she could really turn this into, I mean, I think it's already a very successful season just by virtue of winning, but she could make it a, an extremely successful season. And I, that's what I'm curious to see. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the other thing before we move off her, because obviously she ended up winning the tournament in that playoff. We, we, there is more to discuss about the playoff and everything else like that, but what this does for her theoretically, I, I mean, this is going to free up the rest of her calendar. She's going to get into the Asian swing now, which is huge for her. She can actually plan out where her calendar is going to be. She Solheim Cup is not going to happen unless miraculously, like the only way that she could be in this picture is if she won in Canada this week. Yeah. But I'm not going to bank on that after <laughs> you know flights across, jet lag, everything else like that. But it, it's it truly unleashes. She's what the rest of this year and then securing her card for next year and what, what she can do. She was so posed and uh, like had everything under control, even with one bad shot that she hit in that playoff, like completely wiped a driver as far right as you can possibly go. And it like, didn't even phase her at all. She's like, yep, like I can still figure out a way to make four from here. Ends up making five. It's okay. Kept on going with her business. I think her dad was like, I keep saying her dad, but like her dad is caddying for her. and they work through everything. And he wasn't like overbearing and he, he just, they worked through numbers and then she took complete ownership of the shot and he moved out of frame and she went through a routine, hit her shot. And it was just like, she was dialed the entire time. I, I honestly, like if that's how she usually plays, cause I haven't seen her like on TV at all. I don't know why she hasn't had success earlier outside of just getting her legs underneath her on the LPGA tour is it, it, it takes a lot and it takes time. And we saw that last year, like, you know, Maya won this tournament last year and she did not have any LPGA status at all. She, she was playing the LET tour full time and was just riling off victories there. And this is a, a tournament that is a dead week in the LPGA tour schedule. I think we, everybody can admit that probably the tour would admit that as well. But what this does, and it's a split purse, $3 million purse total, but that's because it's co-sanctioned with the DP World Tour, the LPGA Tour, and the LET Tour, which I think is awesome. So the women are playing for $1.5 million purse. But it might not be that much money, but it's a win's a win, and they're still getting the same amount of points. And if an LET player wins, they're still getting offered, you know, membership into the LPGA Tour Alexis case this time, she gets full points, double points for Solheim Cup. But really what she was more concerned about is like keeping her card in the total like race of the CME this year. And she got it done. And right, wrong, indifferent, wherever it's at on the calendar, 
at the end of the day, she got the job done. Yeah, all credit to her. And we're talking about the the season-long race to CME. She jumps up from 132nd on the season prior to her victory to now 38th. And yeah, quite honestly, like pretty comfortable, you know, barring maybe some unforeseen great play from women behind her. Like she's going to make the top 60 and be at that CME tour championship. And you never know what can happen. It, it, it really is remarkable. And I think coming off the women's AIG being a little bit of a, of a dead week or, or an overlooked week, if you will, in women's golf, I, it, I don't think her win has gotten the hype or the um, accolades maybe that it should. And yeah, it, for that, like I said before, I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what these next several weeks have in store for her and if she can I, I, continue. Big, I, I agree with that with this event as a whole. Like I just said, it's like a, a tri-sanctioned event. This is really, really cool what ISPS is doing and hand is involved. And like it, it's right up there with the Aussie Open, how, how it's a tri sanctioned event now between uh, the Aussie, you know, PGA of, of Australia, Asia, or whatever it is, and the same on the women's side. And they also have the disabil- uh, disabled category in Australia. Same thing with the, the Scandinavian mixed, how they're co sanctioned. Like this, uh, this tournament is severely punished based off of where it's at on the calendar, not just people who are going there and competing in it, both on the men's and women's side, but also, you know, it's just, it just, it gets hammered. Anything that tries to go up against the FedEx cup playoffs, specifically like the, the BMW, because no offense to like, you know, this week coming up in, in Atlanta, but it's just, it's rich guys getting richer. Like they already made it. They're all into every major next year and like, cool, you know, we just saw Alexa Pano like grinding her absolute ass off to make less than a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. And this week we're talking about like $75 million getting thrown around in Atlanta. Like it's the differences could not be greater. Yeah. And I do want to grab on and just underscore the point you're making about this being another example of the DP world tour and the let mainly with the LPGA kind of being that third uh, co-sponsoring organization, but they've just figured out a way to bring the women's game and the men's game together for a few weeks each year. Unlike the Scandinavian mix where the men are competing directly against the women, this is an event that runs concurrent. So you have the men's event going on at at the same time as the women's event. They, they have 36 and 54 hole cuts. They bring them down to however many on Sunday and they're all out on the same course together, which is just fabulous. And I think, you know, kudos to the PGA Tour and LPGA for figuring out the McGladry team event this December. It's a good start, but you look at weeks like this, and you, and I just can't help but think there's so much more specifically the PGA Tour could do to try and help elevate women's golf in the eyes of a lot of its fans uh, in the eyes of a lot of casual golf fans who, Hey, come out for a, uh, a joint PGA LPGA event. We, there has to be a week that would work on both of those calendars to do something like this. 
Yeah, not just for spectators. Obviously, that's most important in the charities that are tied to each event and everything else like that, but also like television. And I, when I say like you and I are, are in such firm belief here that the LPGA Tour is such a sleeping giant, but people are not presenting it the correct way. Like what we saw last week in a this tri-sanctioned event with a playoff with three phenomenal players was a, a phenomenal, extremely, extremely exciting playoff. It was presented horribly, and we have to figure out a way. Broadcast partners have to figure out a way to liven this up, and it's not difficult. You can take plenty of other examples in professional golf to basketball to football to cricket to rugby to tennis and say these are things that we could take away from this to make the game more exciting, to tell some of these stories, and to get people actually invested in what's going on because so far, like, this this ain't it. And, and I think case in point last week, like, the boys, the rest of the crew were all up at the BMW Championship. Yumi and Solly are at home. Solly's still on baby watch. And, you know, we had Matt Fitzpatrick tweeting about coverage on Sunday morning. And why does Matty Fitz, who is currently, he was tied for the lead going into, (laughs) you know, the final round of the BMW Champions? Because his brother was tied for second on the men's side of this event. And he tweeted and literally tagged the main account into it. It was like, oh, I know what you guys are talking about here. This is horrible. (laughs) Talking about the telegast. Unfortunately for him, he didn't realize that it actually wasn't an NBC or any anybody else in the the Comcast World's production. It was actually a DP World Tour production. So I don't know if uh, if, if his home tour is going to think too highly of that. But yes, we see you. We recognize you. And these these girls, like, I think that's when we talk about other options, whether it's ESPN Plus or anything else like that. There's so many little things that you could do to elevate them, their stories, and to show fucking exciting golf. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, I think a lot more to come as we get deeper into the calendar. Uh, we're hoping to talk to Commissioner Molly Marcus-Saman at some point. Cody, I think you and I, maybe we just take an episode towards the end of the year. And, you know, if we if we could twitch our nose and become commissioner, things we'd love to see, things we think are reasonable, stuff like that. But I, I think just sheepishly, you know, you and I, and maybe you were aware of this, but I'm, <laughs> I, I follow the women's game a good amount. You know, I won't say I'm, the, the the most ardent fan i had no idea this was a co-sanctioned dp world tour plus letl pga event until it was already underway like those are the things that should be celebrated i i people should know about that 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 it's happening and i may have just missed it again severe jet lag coming coming back from england but I just wasn't even aware of it until the event was already underway so i, I feel like there's a lot more to be done to just show that, hey, this type of stuff is happening in professional golf and it's and it's stuff that should be celebrated and and you know lifted up. So hopefully we'll we'll get there. Big to wrap up this event real quick. We talked about that playoff though. It ended up going three holes. It was Alexa Pano, Esther Hezlet, who's a we're a big fan of. We're a fan of her physio. Shout out to <laughs> Zoot and the team for getting her right. And man, I thought we were so close there. And then the young British star, Gabriella Crowley. I think they, well, outside of Alexa, I think Esther and Gabriella thought they would put themselves in that position. 
I also w- want to have this on the record here and say, like, all three of them should not, none of them should have been in that playoff because r- it was Ryan O'Toole's tournament to win. It was. She absolutely shit down her leg on her back nine coming in. She ended up uh, eagling 10, but then got to 13, doubled 13, bogeyed 15, birdied 16, bogeyed 17, birdied 18 to get it in the house to shoot a two under 70, but was like literally on fire. She was leading this event the majority of the way through. It wasn't for that double and those two bogeys coming in. This would have been a completely different story. I love that Georgia, her partner, was standing by waiting, uh, like not looking as nervous as I was, that's for damn sure. But I was just <laughs> hoping that that Ryan was going to be able to to close this thing out. Unfortunately, it didn't end up happening. Three-hole playoff, Gabriella, unfortunately, bad shot, ended up getting knocked out after the first hole. They played the 18th hole three different times. Or was it Esther? Uh, I thought Esther got knocked out after the uh, first. Excuse me, you're right. Esther yeah. goes knocked out. Gabriella and Alexa go back uh, for a second time. Alexa just hits the wipiest, <laughs> like straight block right drive, chips it back out to the fairway. Gabriella plays smart, uh, ends up just a little short right of the green or maybe even a little bit on. Goes up. Alexa hits a great, you know, third shot onto the green, back of the green, ends up missing that putt, but knocks it in for five. And then Gabriella just heartbreak city goes up and uh, makes a mess out of it. Ends up walking away with a five after like a missed two footer. And and that's being like pretty jealous or generous. It was probably like a, a foot and a half, just clearly nervy. They go back to the 18th tee and, you know, Alexa just played that whole phenomenally took a super aggressive line after her drive found the uh left side of the fairway she just flags it and an easy two putt you know four to to end up winning the tournament only other thing i will note leona mcguire supporting the the tournament in this was in northern ireland but on the on the island of ireland so busy stretch for her she something to just keep an eye on as we you know Fly to Vancouver this week, play Portland, Cincinnati, eventually head to Solheim Cup. Uh, Not a ton of rest for her, whereas a lot of other players took the week off and are now convening in Canada. And speaking of Canada, Codeman, I'm excited for this one. So Canadian Women's Open starting today as you're listening to this, this weekend. It's at the Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club in Vancouver, which they have hosted, uh, I believe, four Canadian Opens on the men's side, the most recent being in 2011. Sean O'Hare won in a playoff. But this is going to be the first time they're hosting a women's Canadian Open. So new venue for the women. I will note in 2011, Sean O'Hare, the the score to get in a playoff was four under. So some tough conditties. I, (laughs) uh, I don't remember that tournament, so I don't know if it was weather or course or setup. But I hope it's a good test for the ladies this week. Paula Reto is your defending champion. Uh, her first career LPGA victory last year. And just for the folks wondering about television coverage, Golf Channel will be your home all weekend, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Thursday, 6.30 to 9.30 Eastern Friday, and then 7 to 10 p.m. both Saturday and Sunday. Those are Eastern times. You have a strong lean for the uh, for the Canadian Open this weekend? Well, it's a it's a women's Canadian Open in the great city of Vancouver. I don't know where else 
you're going to look at besides somebody who's won this tournament once as an amateur. I think she was super, super young at a time twice uh, when she turned professional, but that's Lydia Ko. She certainly needs it. We we haven't seen much of her of late. It's getting to the point of being, I don't know. I think we've, at least I've moved beyond a little bit of head scratching and now just like, okay, what's, what's really going on here? Right. But you know, she's, she's good for one of those, like, she'll be down in the dumps and all of a sudden randomly randomly finds form again like that. What I know about Shaughnessy is that this is a, a ball strikers paradise. They got small greens. They're quick. You got to be able to hit the putting surfaces. Rough is up. I was looking at some of the social stuff that they put out. I love the Canadian open on the men's side. You know, they've set up the hockey rink. Yeah. For one of the par threes. They got the same exact thing going on out there. Honestly, Canadian women's Canadian open looks like a ton of fun. Big, I think that, you know, when we talk about like, oh, events that we would like to check out sometime. Yeah. I think this is definitely on the list. It has a very, very long history with tons of traditions tied to it. Uh, this every single year on the LPGA Tour, the players themselves rank this as the number one event on the LPGA Tour count calendar. They do a great job taking care of the players. They do an even better job taking care of the caddies. We know we talked to Shane Codd. Madeline's caddy a couple of weeks ago over in London, and he was singing praises of this and everything that they do to go just leaps and bounds, you know, further than every other tournament when it comes to what the caddies are getting. So I like hearing that stuff, and I want to check this thing out sometime. I'm right there with you, and we kind of damn, we kind of missed the boat not going this year to Vancouver. I mean, talk I about know. talk about the the sexiest place they could put this tournament. I guess obviously Brooke Henderson will will have throngs and throngs of, of Canadians following her. The one I wanted to ask you about, because the last time we saw her was at, at Walton Heath. And it was one of the most horrific putting displays. I mean, what do you think Nellie Corda has done the last two weeks? She, I'm not sure if she can hit the ball much better. She just literally cannot make a putt. And so I have to think that's been a focus for her these last couple weeks since the women's open. Uh, she's somebody, especially as you say, it's a ball strikers course. She's somebody I guess I have an eye on. Yeah, I was thinking back to that too. And I think one of the things that I think Nelly is severely punished on, and it's the same thing as Scotty Scheffler, their games are very similar this way. They're both not very good putters, but they're not like absolutely horrible, is that we watch a ton of Nelly putts because she hits so many greens. Par four, she's going to be on. Par three, she's going to be on. And most par five, she can get on into. So we're seeing a ton of 50, 60-foot leg putts for her, where I think really ball striking-wise, she needs to dial it in a little bit more. But also when you see her putts and what we saw her at Walton Heath by missing by that much, I think, honestly, she. I hope she went and got like her putter checked. This could be a Lion Loft thing <laughs> because for her to, to look that confident on the green and literally nothing fall as good as those greens were it, it's something else has to be missing from here but what i think she's been doing the last two weeks probably recovering i, I would say she's probably on your sleep schedule probably took her an extra four <laughs> or five days to get over it and then uh i hope she's just been banging putts down there yeah god i'm excited will be excited to see how lilia off of her second major you know if if she keeps the ball striking up charlie hall i mean geez this is I, I'm kind of looking forward to this. In my mind, uh, I'm almost picturing um, almost like another 
Founders Cup, you know, that's that's played on yeah. a very proper golf course. Uh, ball strikers, you know, come on down. You, you can't really fake your way around there. That, that should make for an awesome event this weekend. And again, at least if you're in the United States, some primetime golf to watch, which is cool. Love that. The other, uh, I was super impressed. I, I know we said Ryan O'Toole last week. She played amazing. She's been rounding back around into form, just kind of had two bad swings that got her on that back nine. If she keeps playing like this, like I think very good things for her. And the other person who like has not had a very good season so far this year, and I think just, I, I know we're going to get to Solheim Cup picks in a second, finished T6 last week. Azahara Munoz, mm. maybe a little bit of red ass in there for not, you know, getting the snub here from Solheim Cup in her home country. She's basically been in every single Solheim like publicity and, and like PR tour that they've done so far. And then not even to be like, you're not a pick, but also you're you're not an assistant captain or anything else like that. Maybe she get a little red ass in her and come out firing. Yeah, she might feel a little used. Oh God, I don't even think she would. She probably wasn't even on Captain Pedersen's radar, would be my guess. Dude, she's played she played pretty, pretty bad this year. Current, I mean, 250th in Rolex, 97th in CME. She's barely made $140,000 this year. Uh, and just that one top 10 last week. It It's not not good. To be but, fair to her, she is coming back. She, she So she started a family. She... Yep. has a child so she's kind of you know she's 35 years old she's been doing this a while I, I think hopefully we see you know some flourish for before the end of her career i think she's had some like medical things going on outside of that too i can't remember if it was like a thyroid or something else like that but i remember her talking and struggling with like a lot of of joint related things so yeah. we'll see i like seeing her in good form because she's one of like She's one of my favorite people to watch swing a golf club. That's why. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Uh, well, let's get to the Solheim. This is, uh, we're about a month, God, about a month exactly out from the Solheim Cup. It is going to be taking place in southern Spain at Finca Cortesan Golf Club. I've heard a lot of things about the course, uh, many of them interesting to be generous. I, I hear spectacular views gorgeous gorgeous setting and i've also heard it it's an unwalkable golf course i think it's going to be an absolute bear for the fans that come out and want to follow these matches from hole to hole so i'm very curious to see the venue we of course are going to be going over the two of us along with the schuster brothers we're going to have a full week doing live shows uh preview podcasts tons of socials so Really, really looking forward to getting over there. As you said, today, again, recording today, Tuesday, August 22nd, was a big day. Team Europe has been finalized. Captain Suzanne Pedersen has made her four captains picks. Team USA, Stacey Lewis, she will make her selections early next week after the Canadian Open this weekend. Well, let's well uh, yeah, yeah, on top of that, Canadian Open uh, ends the automatic qualifying period as well for Team USA, which the sole, you know the European team has already passed through that. So I think to set this out, why don't we talk about, lay out what this European squad is. Who are the auto qualifiers and then give me these captain's picks. Yep, so just running them down, you have the top two from the LET Solheim Cup points list. 
Number one automatic qualifier from that was Celine Boudier. Number two, Maya Stark. And then they take the next six based off of Rolex ranking. And so we go Charlie Hull, Leona McGuire, Georgia Hall, Lynn Grant, Carlota Saganda, and Anna Nordquist, who is also an assistant captain. So those are your eight automatic qualifiers there. And so that left four captain's picks. And we got those this morning. I think uh, let's just start here. Madeline Sackstrom, our young hitter. We were beyond thrilled that she has made another Solheim Cup team. Uh, we'll, we'll get into kind of the performance and breaking these down. But joining her was Gemma Dryborough of Scotland. And then two interesting ones, Cody. We, we got a lot to talk about here. You have Emily Christine Pedersen from Denmark. And then rounding out the team, Caroline Headwall from Sweden. And I think those last two particularly were, I don't know if head scratchers, but certainly you can see Suzanne Pedersen looking for a type of person, a type of player, and really putting her stamp on her team, which I do love to see. I think if we're going to have captains for these teams and you're going to give them picks, I don't care if they just go, you know, I don't want them to go down the points list or I don't want them to go down the Rolex rankings. Go take the people who you think are going to fit the best, who you think are going to show up and, you know, stick your neck out a little bit. And I feel like that's what Suzanne Pedersen did today with these captain's picks. Yeah, I agree. I think you uh, labeled them those last two, like Suzanne went out and got that do them dogs, man, because that's exactly what they are. Uh, they're, they're phenomenal, fierce competitors. Suzanne talking about Emily described her as that a fierce competitor, especially in match play. She has the experience and I know what I'm going to get from her. I can't think of a more competitive player than Caroline. I'm very, or ex yeah, then Emily, ex excuse me. And then referring to Caroline, I can't think of a more competitive player than Caroline. I'm very happy to have her on our team. She compliments the team perfectly with her game and records in the Solheim cup. What I think of these final two is that this wasn't just Captain Pedersen picking them. These were also the rest of the team being like, well, this is who we think should be on the, on the squad with us. Yeah, that's an interesting point because you, you take Caroline Headwall. She is Swedish. She makes this the fifth Swedish player on uh, of the 12 on this year's team. So shout out Sweden. They are certainly enjoying a moment on the women's side. And then Emily Christine Pedersen, she, this will be her third Solheim Cup. She was part of the winning team two years ago in Toledo. So she's very familiar with the people that will be her teammates, with the captains, with the assistant captains. And like you said, I think personality-wise, on and off the course, definitely jives with uh, what Captain Pedersen is all about. Cody, if you'll allow me, I'd love to kind of run through this team a little bit more in depth. I got a ton of stats for you. And just jump in whenever you feel like it, because don't let me ramble too long. But let's start here back at the top. Salim Boudier, I'm going to run them down by their current world ranking. Okay, so best to we'll say worst, right? Relatively worst at the top. Salim Boudier currently ranked fourth in the world. This will be her third Solheim Cup team. And she sports a 5-1-1 one, one overall record. She's 2-0 in singles, 2-0-1 in foursomes, 1-1 one one in four-ball play. Of course, she won the Evian. She followed up winning the Scottish Open. She made the quarters of match play. 
She's playing really the best golf of her pro career recently. I think, you know, a, a great person to have on the team. Her record speaks for herself. After that is Charlie Hall. She is up to ninth in the world. This will be her sixth Solheim Cup appearance. And she is, I mean, in, in the vein of like an Ian Poulter, right, on the men's side, Charlie has an overall record of 11-5-3. She's 2-2-1 two, two and one in singles, 5-1-1 one one Cody in foursomes, and 4-2-1 four, and one in four ball. And I'll say this, I mean, this has been the summer of Charlie, right? Runner up at the at the U.S. Women's Open, the British Open, and playing the best golf of her career. Uh, she She's an excellent Solheim Cup player, has shown to be no matter what. And now here she's going to come in, in in the best form of her career. That That is certainly a feather in the cap for Team Europe. After her is Leona McGuire, currently ranked 14th. This will be her second Solheim Cup. She was the star in 2021. She went 4-0-1 and just, God, she was so much fun to watch. Absolute bulldog. She made the semis earlier this year at the at the match play event at Shadow Creek and is, oh, God, somebody you do not, do not want to see in match play. After that's Georgia Hall. She's ranked 16th. This will be her fourth Solheim Cup. She's 7-5-1 overall. I will note four one and one in foursomes. So her and Charlie, if you're looking at foursomes, that's a natural pairing. They've both had tons of success. Georgia, of course, was playing awesome this spring. Kind of came back to earth in uh, the last few months, but appears maybe to be rounding into shape. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what kind of Solheim Cup she has this year. Lynn Grant is then uh, the next best player in the world, ranked 19th. She is going to be a rookie. The only things to note about her, she is an absolute killer. She made the semis a match play, which portends well. She's won everywhere she's she's ever played. Uh, everything we hear about her is she's a fierce competitor. I think this will be her first Solheim Cup. And just get used to seeing her every Solheim Cup for the foreseeable future. After her, Carlotta Saganda, ranked 33 in the world. Six, this will be her sixth Solheim Cup. Overall record of seven, eight, and four. But I will note three, one, and one in singles. So kind of that stereotypical tough match play. You know, Spaniard runs hot a little bit, can be feisty. I think somebody that will fit in well in uh, Captain Pedersen's team room. And then we get to Anna Norquist. The, you know, the, the, I guess the the veteran of the group. This will be her eighth Solheim Cup. She's ranked 37th in the world, sporting an overall record of 14, 10, and three. Just super consistent. You know, she's won three majors. She has all the experience in the world. She's been like a top 30 player in, in the world since like 2009. Just a model of consistency and somebody to shepherd. You know, we talked about Lynn Grant will be a rookie. Well, the other rookie, Swedish rookie, will be Maya Stark. She's ranked 40th in the world. Super keen to see how she does uh, in a month's time. And then we talked about the captain's pick. I just want to note the world ranking. So Madeline Sackstrom, she's ranked 42nd in the world. This will be her third Solheim Cup. She's 2-4 and four in her previous two with both of her wins being in singles. So she's 2-0 and oh in singles. I guess the thing to watch out for is how much she's put out in foursomes and four balls. Gemma Dryborough, she will be a rookie. She captured her first LPGA victory last November, I want to say, at the Japan Classic. 
Uh, we've seen a couple good appearances. She finished eighth at Evian a couple weeks ago, uh, top 40 at the U.S. and British Opens this year. And then Emily Christine Peterson, her third team, overall three and four record, but a ton of success. She's won five times on the LET. She was the 2020 LET Player of the Year. She's transitioned now to pretty much being full-time LPGA. I can tell you she's very long, okay? Uh, she goes with our good buddy, Ollie, Ollie Brett. Um, I, I hope he will be in Spain. But if, if, you know, if she can put up with Ollie, that tells you that she's going to be great in the team. Room. She's got a great <laughs> sense of humor. And I think, you know, on the course, she's got some red ass in her. You know, she wants to win. She wants to beat the person that she's playing. And that's super important. And then finally, Caroline Headwall. She's ranked 120th in the world. This will actually be her fifth Solheim Cup. She sports an overall 8-6-1 record. Her best format has been foursomes where she's 3-1 in her career. And just as a bit of background, she was LET Player of the Year way back in 2011. She's won seven times on the Euro Tour, but has never fared well in majors. Actually, just one top 10 and 44 career major starts. And I think if you're going to pick out, you know, the, the, the potential weak link, right, it would be Caroline. And so I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on her. And it'll be curious to see how much Captain Pedersen puts her out. And then we go to, okay, the natural question then becomes who who got left out, right? Who who has the best case? And this is where I'm curious to get your thoughts, Cody. Just going by the Rolex World Rankings, Jody Ewart Shadoff would be the biggest snub. She's currently ranked 51st. Um, but you start digging in, you know, she's played three Solheims. She owns a three, six, and one career record. So it's, you know, it's not that that's everything, but it, it's not jumping off the page at you. She doesn't, you know, her form this year, it's fine, but she only has one top 10 on the LPGA. That was back in February. They're just, the, the, the more you dig into her resume this year, I just don't think she made the case that you have to take her. And obviously Captain Pedersen did not take her. Yeah, well, she finished T3 at the Dow in July as well. Also represented England in the International Crown. This is where I think when we start, and I mentioned it earlier about the other teammates, like kind of having a say who wants to be in there. I know that uh, Jody was on the side of Bronte in the Team England dynamics when Georgia and Charlie uh, bounced out of there. So I don't want to say that that played a big role in it, but I could see maybe team dynamic wise that playing a part in it. Plus she has a losing record in her previous Solheim cup appearances. Yes. It's a snub based off rankings, but when you tie everything else in there, it kind of makes a lot of sense team wise. Yeah. That's really interesting about the international crown stuff too. And I think again, pure speculation on our part, but tough to ignore that dynamic. The only other ones I would mention, perhaps feeling like they they had a case Albain Valenzuela, was ranked six is ranked 68th in the world right now. Uh, she played a ton of team junior events in her career. We saw her at Chevron. She finished tied for fourth. But I think the most memorable part of that Chevron was her decision not to really go for it on the par five 18th. Right. She laid up. You know, we thought maybe protecting some money and some points. Um, she did make the quarters at match play back in May at Shadow Creek. Uh, but does not have any previous Solheim experience. I, I don't think, again, when, when you look at Captain Pedersen and the type of just 
in-your-face competitor that she is, it, Albane doesn't strike me as that person. And so I, I, I understand why she isn't on this team. I, I, again, I think the captain's picks should be used for who the captain wants, obviously. And Albane didn't fit the criteria this time around. Yep, I agree with you on that. Uh, just looking back from the 2021 squad to where we're at right now, the only big names that kind of jump out at me, obviously, Sophia off doing her her own things. Um, but Matilda Castron, Nana Kurtz, uh, Kurtzoff, Madsen, and then really Mel Reed. And I think it's just kind of been a really tough two years for Mel. But she is like, when I think of, a stalwart on the European Solheim Solheim Cup squad, I immediately think to Mel and I think of Leona and I think of them pumping everybody up and getting everybody fired up. But overall, it's very hard to pull Coles in this squad. I think they're so tough. I think when you rack and stack them against the squad that the U.S. is going to bring over, clearly the European team is like they're a powerhouse squad. The fact that Maya and Lynn are both rookies on here, they're also undefeated in foursomes in in worldwide play. They have a world title together already for foursomes. It's ridiculous. They've been playing together since they were like wee little girls on the west coast of Scotland. They're primed. They're excited for this. They're, They're not afraid of playing on the big stage. And I think the youthfulness of this squad that's also coming in absolutely blazing hot, plus the amazing play from Celine, from Charlie the last couple of months, like it's this this team is going to be very, very, very hard to beat. I agree. I a couple of things I want to drill down on. You said Matilda Castron, one of the ones that played in 2021 that will not be a part of 2023. I think that's the biggest bummer for me. She went three and one in 2021. And if you'll remember leading up to the Solheim Cup, you know, she went over, she won in Finland. That got her LET membership, which then allowed her to be eligible to be picked for the team. She just her her story getting onto that 2021 team was phenomenal, and I was hopeful that the Solheim Cup was going to be a springboard for. Her. Unfortunately, has not been in good form here for at least 12 months. Currently sits at 151st in the world ranking, so a bummer for her. But yes, when you look at okay, the 2021 team came over to U.S. soil and won. Okay. And we're going to take four women off of that team. Sophia Popov, we're going to replace with Lynn Grant. I think anybody would tell you that's a massive upgrade. Okay, no disrespect to Sophia, certainly in her current form. And then you take Matilda Castron, and you're going to replace her with Maya Stark. I honestly think Maya could have a Solheim Cup a lot like Matilda's 2021. You know, something like three and one, where she becomes this. I. I I think she's teetering, bordering on becoming a household name or somebody we really have to pay attention to at the biggest events. But she could have a week like Matilda. And then you replace Nana Kurtz Madsen with Gemma Dryborough. You know, I, I think that's at worst. You know, you're you're kind of making a a one for one swap there. And then you replace Mel Reed, who, as you said, fiery, you know, uh, heart and soul type of person in the team room replace her with Caroline Headwall and you're getting a lot of that same attitude with a ton of Solheim Cup experience yeah it's th- this 
on paper, this is a much better group than in 2021. And that group went to Inverness on U.S. soil and got a victory. So it it, it is going to be a tall, tall task for Stacey Lewis and the American squad. Speaking of Stacey Lewis, our captain, Stacey Lewis, and this squad representing the United States of America, it uh, it, it ain't looking good, big. I, you, unfortunately, are you, you that down? Me. Let me, let, hold on, let me jump in. Are you that, are, are you that pessimistic? Well, I mean, it's hard when you look at the European squad and you're like, you know, you usually get to like number five, really like six, seven, eight, and you're like, oh, I can point out some gaps. But you look at the European team, and like you're not really seeing gaps until you're into like really 11 or 12. And by saying that there's gaps is that you're taking Madeline, who has like an almost perfect singles record and being like, oh, well, she just can't play four ball or foursomes like she can't find a partner. Eventually, somebody will find a partner that, uh, that Madeline can play with. Like if that's the only gap that you're seeing right now, then, yeah, we have huge issues because currently in like our auto qualifier spots. Our last person who has an automatic seat in there, I don't even want her in that seat. Like, I don't want DK or Lexi on this team. Like, they need to evacuate themselves. Unfortunately, that's not really going to happen. So, Lexi, as right, it take me, yeah, take well, take me through the team. Let's let's talk. Let's start with who has automatically qualified already. Okay, so the the four auto qualifiers that we have so far is Lilia Vu, Nelly Corda, Allison Corpuz. And Megan King. Now, the U.S. team is basically takes two players from the Rolex rankings. Those uh, two players that currently sit at the top of that right now, points-wise, are going to be Rosang and Angel Yin. Now, the the scary thing about it is that Angel is only separated by Ali Ewing, who is third on that list, by a couple points. And this week in Canada is worth double points. But now... What I would say is that either probably both of them are going to make the team either automatic selection by Sunday of this week or by captain's pick the the Monday. Uh, what is that, like the 28th? So I think both Angel and Allie are sitting pretty good. I think they're going to be okay. Um, now, where it stats, the rest of the list. So... As I said, this week's CPKC Women's Open, Canadian Open, is the final week to acquire points for the U.S. team. Uh, Captain Stacey Lewis, she'll announce her uh, three captain's picks that she has remaining Monday the 28th. So to get to the remaining auto slots, currently you have um, Jennifer Cupshow, and then in that last uh, two spots, really, it's Danielle King and Lexi Thompson. All right. So, our top seven currently from the uh, CME list is Lilia, already qualified. Nelly, already qualified. Allison, already qualified. Megan Kang, already locked up. Okay. Which I will say, let me jump in here. The very good top four there. I, I, I will go to battle with those four. For sure. And honestly, we're... I'll, I'll throw Jennifer Cupshaw. Like she hasn't had a rock star year, but she's had a a, de a pretty solid year. She's made points. She continues to go out there, grinds out. She's playing a lot of events, making a ton of cuts. Just hasn't had very many highlights, but also there hasn't been very many lowlights at all. Very very solid year so far. Now she, Jennifer sits in the fifth spot. Our sixth and seventh spot, which are currently battling out, 
right now. And these, this is where this week can really, you know, these are dynamic spots between basically Danielle Kang, Lexi Thompson, who are currently in the sixth and seventh spot versus Andrea Lee, who is playing fucking red hot right now. And Ali Ewing. Now, with a how I broke down the points, and this week the points are worth like a double plus a little bit more, is that Andrea and or Allie would basically have to take finish in the top 10, and DK and Lexi would basically have to miss the cut. But that's how this leapfrog would happen. Andrea has a much better shot of that. She's only eight points or seven and a half points currently behind Lexi. Um and I think this is in the cards and why I'm not like sitting here poo-pooing on Lexi. I think she's a great ambassador for the women's game overall. We just haven't seen anything from Lexi in order to qualify nothing, nothing all, all year. And I don't even think this year because I did the research and I went back. All right. So Lexi currently sits seven, every other cell hunt cup that she's played in before and what she's played in a lot of them. She's always made points. Always has. We started the qualification period for this year's Solheim Cup that's played next month in Spain at the 2021 Portland Classic. That was September 16th through the 19th, 2021. In 2021, Lexi could have played in five events counting the CME, which she qualified for. She played in all five of them. Her highlight of that was T2 that she made at Pelican, but she made every other cut that year. In 2022, there was 30 events available, 32 counting the Hilton Tournament of Champions and the CME. She was not in the, the Tournament of Champions. She was in the CME. So of 31 events available, Lexi played in 18 of them. She was second at the drive-on and second at the Pelican. She ended up losing in a playoff to Nelly at the Pelican. Second at the Founders, T2 at KPMG, T4 at Chevron, T5 at the Myers, and had four missed cuts. That was in 2022. Last year, Awesome year for Lexi. I was going to say, was playing very good golf. You know, the the big highlight was her kind of blowing it down the stretch at KPMG. That's a whole nother bugaboo. But was the Lexi that we know and have known? Very much so. This year, so far this year, Lexi has been eligible to play in 22 LPGA Tour events so far this year. 22. She has played in nine. Her hmm. best finish, her best finish so far this year is T31 at the Founders. She has six missed cuts. Now, she is playing in this, uh, she is going to Canada, and she is playing this week because she knows she has to make points in order to, to stay on this team and hope that her game, some uh, hopefully a different game than we saw her a couple weeks ago at Walton Heath shows up. But overall effort outside of like her kind of showing this at the last last minute here, she hasn't shown anything this year. It appears that she does not want to be playing professional golf. I don't know what type of effort she's putting into it at home, but I'm only strictly talking about results that we're seeing when she goes and tees it up. It's not and been good, it, Big. And I'll say they're totally unsubstantiated, of course, but they're, it's interesting the whispers about yeah. is Lexi perhaps even already looking to what's next beyond professional golf. Yeah, plenty of talk out there of like Lexi, basically the only reason that she's playing still is trying to fulfill a couple sponsor obligations that she still has before she wants to retire from 
from competitive golf altogether. Which honestly, if that's like what would make her happy, God bless her. I, I think she has had a long career. She's been in the public spotlight for years and years and years. Don't begrudge her that one iota. But in her current form, as you're saying, she's a liability on this U.S. team. It's it's a very awkward spot if she does auto qualify. Be, because I, I wanted to ask you, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. But I think the discussion needs to be if she doesn't auto qualify. She can't get a pick. I, mean, I don't I don't think you can use a pick on her. No, you, can't. you just can't. Like, there's so many other uh, women right now that are playing so much better than Lexi is. You cannot waste a pick on her. And at, Which is that, wild to say because she's ranked 21st in the world, but that's just slowly plummeting. You know, it, it's not representative of, oh, she's a top 20 player in the world right now. No, no she's not close to that. Not, not at all big. She's played in five Solheim Cups going back to 2013. She has not missed one since 2013. Of course, held every two years. She's playing the total of 19 matches in the Solheim Cup, has a record of 6-6-7. Six, six, and seven. She is the queen of tied matches and singles. Yeah. And they always seem to put her out like in the first three matches. She go- just goes out and gets half a point. Like she, yeah. she was supposed to be like this killer, man. And she just isn't, it, she doesn't play like that. No. And I hope, and I will, yeah. It, it's, it's funny when you look at it because Stacy has a very good relationship with Lexi. If she ends up getting a captain's pick, because I do not think that she's going to stay in this last auto call spot. It truly is uh, like a charity pick. It, it's it, yeah. not at all based off game form or really past performances because the Lexi of 2022 is not the Lexi that's playing right now in 2023. It's not good. Other people that I would like to discuss, unless you have questions. No, not a question, just a comment. I will say, you said she's played on six Solheim Cups. I'll, I'll note that Team Europe has won four of those six, right? And whether it's fair or not, I mean, Lexi is kind of the face and has always been one of the better players and by default should be one of the leaders of Team USA. And I think, you know, perhaps team performance reflects a bit on her as well. Now, before I get into possible captain's picks here, I would like to point out that our 2021 roster is going to look a little bit similar. uh, The same names up there, basically, outside of a little bit of uh, fat on the bottom. All right, so 2021 U.S. Solheim Cup team. Of course, Danielle Kang. She will make this year's team on points. It's going to be very, very difficult for uh, Andrea or Allie to leapfrog her, but... Basically, a lock. Danielle will make this team. Allie Ewing, she was on the 2021 squad. She is outside looking in right now. More than likely, based off reason form, I would say she's a, a, a candidate for a captain's selection. I'm not saying my, ca- my candidate yet, but I'm saying she is definitely in the running. Austin Ernst, she was on the 21 squad. Obviously, not going to be on this squad. Retired assistant coach now at Texas A&M. Lexi. Just discussed her. Jessica Corda, she will not be playing this year. She's still up there on points. And honestly, I, I don't know how she's healing or where she's at right now in the recovery process. But if there w- was a potential wild card captain's pick out there, 
if she decided to tee it up, <laughs> I, I it wouldn't surprise me, but I just don't think that that's uh, really going to happen. Uh, Megan Kang was on that team. Uh, she made this year's team on points as well as Nelly. She made this year's team on points as well. The two Rolex selectees from the 2021 squad, Lizette Salas, not good, has not had a very good last couple of years. She is not anywhere close to being in the running uh, for points this year or for a captain's pick. I, I just do not see that happening. And then, of course, the second one, Rolex pick, uh, for the 2021 squad was Jennifer Cupshow. She made this year's po- team on points. Captain's picks. Brittany Altamari, Mina Haragai, and Yalimi No. Nowhere close to any of the standings for this year. Captain's picks that just didn't work out uh, the way that we thought that they were going to be. So, big. Where are we starting at here with potential captain's picks? I have mentioned her name a couple times. Before we get there, let me just note, before we get there, l- let me just note that in the U.S.'s favor this year, you have Lilia Vu, the number one ranked player in the world. Awesome addition to the squad. You have Allison Corpuz, ranked number eight in the world, major champion. That's an awesome addition to the squad. And then you have Rose Zhang, who won in her pro debut, three top tens in majors, fell off at the British Open a couple weeks ago, but she's an awesome addition to the squad. So I will say, you know, you have three new faces right there that really are among, uh, whether you believe Rose is kind of a top 10 talent in the world, even though she's ranked 31st right now. I mean, you, you, you could make a case that you're injecting three of the top 10 players in the world onto this Team USA squad. Yeah, you could. Uh, and the the four that you just mentioned would would have made our international crown team a hell of a lot better because the squad that we put up at the international crown of Nelly, Lexi, Lily, and DK sure as hell didn't do anything. <laughs> True. Again, Lexi seems to be a common thread through some of that. And Danielle, who I, I don't want her to... I mean, she's been in awful form the last four, five, six weeks. Uh, there's... Not a ton that you're excited about there going into Spain. We have a month to change that. But, yeah, she's, I don't want to say dead weight, but she's certainly, uh, she's. you don't feel good about DK necessarily. No, but she is going to be there. So I think we, we're, we, we can hope, I guess, and see where Lexi shakes out on this list uh, and how they play this year in, or this week in Canada. But DK is going to be on that team. It, it's It's almost impossible for somebody to knock her out yeah all right so i talked about the rolex and where the rolex rankings come into this so you get the top two that are not a part of the cme list or excuse me the solheim qualification list for the lpga players currently are rose and angel yin i believe that both of them uh will make this team on points coming in third on that list number 34 in the world and currently number nine in the overall points, Solheim points list is Ali Ewing. I believe that she will be a captain's pick. Big, what do you have to say about that? I I think you have to. You know, it, it's not the most exciting pick necessarily, but Ali has Solheim experience, which is, 
in my opinion, better than not having Solheim experience, especially when you're going over to Europe for the event. And then if you just look at the last few weeks, you know, we saw her at the British Open holding the 36-hole lead, stumbled on the weekend, but still, you know, tied for six. A, a great week for her. She had finished tied for ninth the week before that at the Scottish, an 11th place finish at Pebble Beach at the U.S. Women's Open. So there are some good performances there. Uh, again, I think you don't need, you shouldn't need an Allie Ewing to go out and get you four points, and I don't think she will go out and get you four points. But I, 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 I think it's, uh, I, I agree that she should be on this team. I agree that she will be a captain's pick. I, I guess I have no issue with her being included. Yeah, uh, good. I'm glad that we agree on that. I thought you were going to start poking holes in there. But, uh, yeah, clearly it's somebody that we did not feel was a fit to win a couple of weeks ago at the women's <laughs> the women's Open. But I agree should be on this team uh, and more than likely will get uh, one of the first captains pick of the three. My next one, you know, has kind of had a shaky year so far after an awesome year last year. We talk about her a lot as maybe being Rose Zhang before anybody knew who Rose Zhang was. Her last recent events. Uh, she, of course, had a, a T20 at the U.S. Women's Open, T9 at the Scottish Open, T9 at the AIG Women's Open. She has never played in a Solheim Cup before, but she is a two-time winner of the Junior Solheim Cup and a one-time winner of the Junior Ryder Cup. That is Andrea Lee. Yeah, so Andrea, I, I'll say this. I think Andrea... Her resume suggests you, she needs a captain's pick. So I, I, I won't fault Stacy for making her a captain's pick. I expect her to be a captain's pick. I guess my only qualms or reservations with Andrea, let's say she gets a Sunday singles match against a Caroline Headwall or an Emily Christine Peterson or, you know, a Carlota Saganda. I, fair or not, I think of Andrea being very quiet, shy. Nothing to back this up, but, you know, you could read maybe timid into that. Uh, she, she's had enormous amateur success, so I, I'm not sure if that's fair. But that's the way she comes across to me sometimes. And in a Solheim environment, on European soil... Uh, I worry about her, Cody. But having said all that, it gets pretty bleak for the Americans pretty quickly when you start talking about captain's picks. So I honestly, I'm not sure who should replace her. I don't think there is anybody that should replace her. I just worry about her her temperament and how she'll do come next uh, next month. I see where you're going there. I, I also think that, like, that quiet you know, kind of if you, you described it as timid uh, demeanor could also drive a competitor absolutely crazy when they're like looking for reactions out of people and somebody's just like deadpan the entire time. Like, I don't think she gets intimidated easily. I think she just doesn't show a lot of emotion. And I think that's maybe where you're getting that from. But again, yeah. as you said, where else do you want us to go here? Because I, I, there, there's just not a lot of depth that you can pull out currently 
I know. And if if it's purely personality based, you know, the the opposite in in how I perceive that Andrea's personality would probably be somebody like Marina Alex, who's ranked 71st in the world. But then you look at her recent form and it's not great. Um, you know, she, she's somebody I'd like to think of, though, will show up and and kind of play her best golf. But I, I just I couldn't. I, I couldn't make a straight-faced argument for going Marina over Andrea. So I'm in lockstep agreement with you. I, th- I think An- Andrea will be a captain's pick and should be a captain's pick. I mean, if you want to talk uh, Marina, she, she she hasn't made very many cuts this year, big, let alone like decent performances. And that's the problem. Yeah, that's why it's like I, I like – if 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 she was kind of on the upswing and and was banking some top tens recently, I, I could m- muster that case a lot better than I than I can. I guess the only thing you know going for Marina as well, she was on the 2019 Solheim Cup team, went one one and two, you know, so it wasn't not great, but she came away with two points, which certainly isn't terrible. But yeah, there, there's just not enough in her play this year, especially of late, for me to put her on the team as a captain's pick. Yeah, and that's kind of where we're at with these 11 and 12th, like these these final two picks. It's it's difficult, man, because there's just which not is a wild lot. though. Let me jump in though, which is wild because again, if and I know Rolex rankings aren't the be all end all, but Andrea being 43rd in the world. I mean, that would slot in as, what, the ninth best on the European side? Tenth nope. best? I mean, we're talking about somebody in that Madeline Sagstrom, Maya Stark, Anna Nordquist range. But, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't have the same confidence that I would in an Anna Nordquist or a Maya Stark, for instance. No, not, not at all. Not nearly. Now, where you settled out with Andrea Lee is kind of where I settled out with this next person who I wanted to pick. I wanted this to be my final pick. Unfortunately, there's a lot of the same descriptors that you used, I used, when going through this in my head. Now, I think the word deserve gets thrown around a lot, but like she's done an awful lot this year than uh, the points that she's accrued actually like demonstrate. And I think that Cheyenne Knight... She's put herself in position at a very, very, very strong March and April. She won last month. She did not get full points for that because it was a team event. She just doesn't seem to be like the killer that we want uh, somebody in that 12 spot to be. And that's why she is not on my team now. Oh, so we're not. (laughs) Okay. A little reversal there. Do you know who I'm going to go with? Somebody who has found a little bit of form as of well, late. The natural selection, shout out my guy Darwin, the natural selection would be Allison Lee, I think. Is that where uh, you're going? That is correct. Now, Allison Lee was on the Solheim Cup 2019. Does not have a good record. Okay, it was 1-3-1. and one. Not not very good. Singles, she ended up getting you know beat out. She lost in foursomes with Michelle. I don't know if that's necessarily an indictment on Michelle or on Allison. Who can know on there? And then had played two four-ball matches, lost both of them. One with Angela Stanford, the other one with Brittany Lindsay 
uh, again, it's it's hard to tell. I can't remember exactly what happened in the 2019 Solheim Cup. I, I don't even think I was in America watching it on TV at the time. <laughs> uh, so, but, hey, that's on me, right? Reason why I say that, though, is that she she has a depth of, like, high-level match play experience. Again, I know it's not much, but when you have to go back and, like, look at uh, records from Junior Solheim, Junior Ryder Cup, she was on the 2014, or excuse me, Curtis Cup, she was on the 2014 Espirito Santo trophy winner. She played high, high, high level competitive golf all through her amateur career to include multiple AJGA championships. In college, she won the 2014 Pac-12 championship. She'd won the North and South Amateur, which is could be one of the hardest match play brackets to make it through. Now, I'm not comfortable with this. This is the best that I can do, though, Big. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Well, let me just say, you've made as good of a case as you can make. I'm not comfortable with it either. And I, 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 I went along with two safe, by-the-number captain's picks, and so I'm going to go off the board with this final slot for Team USA. Are you ready? Yes. Ryan O'Toole. That's who I was. I, I okay. So listen, I was stuck there. Can I make I the saw, case for the people? Yes, I would love to hear this because uh, I'm pretty sure she's missed six cuts this year. But go ahead. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Listen, if if you're looking for like recent form or winning big time tournaments, that's not the case I'm making for Ryan. Okay. The case centers around, one, she has played in a Solheim Cup before, way back in 2011, okay? I will note that she she went 2-0-2, all right? She halved her singles match with Caroline Headwall. She won a foursomes match with Morgan Pressel, and then uh, won with Stacey Lewis, a four-ball match, and then halved a four-ball match with Christina Kim. All that's besides the point, okay? I, I will say, hey, 2-0-2, undefeated Solheim Cup record, all right, if, if, I'm, if I'm trying to make the best case possible. The other things I will point to, all right, we just saw her in Northern Ireland, so taking a very hyper-recent result, okay? She, she, she should have won that tournament. You talked about earlier her back nine, yes. her closing stretch. I mean, she really gave that away. But where I think... This pick hinges is in psychological warfare. Okay. <laughs> Ryan is partners with Georgia Hall. Okay. I don't really know the dynamic of that relationship. But if I'm Captain Lewis, I'm bringing Ryan along and I'm putting her out there early in the week against Georgia. I, I if, if I believe I'm an underdog and if I believe. I need to create my own luck and I need to somehow find a spark, find an edge, you know, get inside the head of, of the European squad. It goes through Ryan O'Toole. And I would absolutely love for Stacey Lewis to have that kind of mindset with this last captain's pick. Yeah. I walked down that path. And when we were talking about early results, I wanted to get there too. And she does have a little bit of Solheim cup experience and it would be hilarious to see them match up against, uh, against each other, meaning her and Georgia. Now, the other thing 
is that Ryan is very, very close to Angela Stanford. She's close to Stacy. They're basically, you know, uh, Ryan being a little bit younger than them, but that's who she kind of grew up with on the LPGA tour, both captain and assistant captains here. She is very close friends with Morgan and played forever with Natalie. Now, I don't know if from a captain's point of view, if, if they're looking at something and like they want to weigh their personal relationships in with somebody, I would say that Ryan is like a good match for that. I just don't know. Form of late? Hell yeah. Like I can see that all day. Now, I think this is where it gets in so much to what happens this week. I, I don't think Stacy has her mind made up because it's it's almost impossible. Because honestly, this could completely change if Lexi is still in that seat. Well, let's game that out, okay? Let's say, I mean, I thought we were making these picks with the assumption that Lexi was an automatic qualifier. But we walked ourselves into So think about how, uh, I don't want to use the term weak, but like not confident we are with basically the bottom five of this team then. Right. And then you say, hey, why are you feeling so bullish about the the European squad? Because Rolex ranking-wise, that doesn't match up with what you're saying. But just them, their demeanor, how they act and conduct themselves on the golf course, when you see them grinding and trying to make these putts and willing the ball in the hole, you see it on the European side. I don't see it from the bottom five of the U.S. team. No, I don't either. And that's why I just come back to a Ryan O'Toole who if 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 she can't get motivated to go again, I would match her up against Georgia in singles. I, I would throw her out there. But even if she's not playing Georgia specifically, the, the motivation for Ryan would I would believe in that as a catalyst more so than anything Allison Lee has done. And no disrespect to Allison, but it's like if if you're not banging down the door and, and showing me why you deserve a captain's pick, then you leave it open for me to go off, you know, to 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 kind of make a wild card pick like this. Yeah. But I don't see it. Nobody's really banging down any door, big. The only people banging down doors is Lilia and Allison and like the rest of the the European squad. Celine. It's it's the summer of Charlie. Like there just hasn't been a ton of movement on the U.S. side. All right. So, so what, how, so your best prediction then is Lexi does not qualify. Correct. And in that case, is it Andrea that's going to jump her into yes. that auto qualification spot? Andrea would jump her, leaving uh, Allie, Allison, and then. We can we could hash it out whether that's Ryan, uh, Cheyenne, Cheyenne. Uh, yeah, like yeah. again, not a lot of uh, just the the fire in the belly is not there for me at the at the moment. No, I honestly I don't think it needs to go beyond Marina, Ryan, or Cheyenne for that last spot. Yeah, you know it's. Uh, Again, no disrespect, like Sarah Schmelzel, things of that nature. Mina Haragai, I just don't, not seeing it. 
Well, then you're the captain for the U.S. Who you got to make the selection, or is it Lexi in a captain's pick? I mean, I cannot get on board with that, but maybe that's the way Stacy goes. But what would that add to this team? What possibly could Lexi in current form add to this team? Because what are you gonna to you gonna sit her until singles, and then then what? You know, she just doesn't have it right now. Yeah. So I guess who I don't know if I talked you into Ryan. Who are you would you take Cheyenne? I would probably take Ryan over Cheyenne just based off of last week's performance. But Cheyenne, I think, very much deserves to be in this conversation. If she has a big week in Canada, I, I think that would go a long way. Yeah. All right, I'm going to put in Ryan O'Toole as our 12th pick because, one, I think it's, again, psychological warfare is what I'm here for in something like the Solheim Cup. But let me let me go through, let me stack these teams 1 to 12 and just compare them, and you give me your your first instinct, who you taking in a singles match, okay? Honestly, so starting at the top. Stacy should pick herself. I thought about that, too. I'm not not kidding. I've thought about that, too. Wouldn't hate it. No, wouldn't hate it. All All right. So number one on the Europe team, Celine Boutier versus number one on the American team, Lilia Vu. I think advantage U.S. Yes, U.S. Uh, Yeah, I'll go U.S. Okay. Number two on Team Europe, Charlie Hall versus number two on Team USA, Nelly Korda. I think in a vacuum on paper, I think Nelly's the easy answer. But considering form and confidence, I'm taking Charlie advantage Team Euro for me. Charlie. Number three, Leona McGuire versus the three-hole for Team USA, Allison Corpuz. This is a fast – this might be my my most uh, – fascinating matchup because I see a lot of similarities in these women. And as much as this pains me to say, code man, I think I lean Allison advantage USA is just going to say Allison as well, based off of uh current form. But also I think that Allison is very like uh quiet and has a, like a steady demeanor, but I think so- there's something burning deep inside of her that she just refuses to give up. Next is Georgia hall. Versus Megan Kang. Again, pretty similar here. This one I struggle with. I think I'm going to take Georgia. I, I slightly lean Team Euro, but this one is about as close to a toss up as it gets. Yep. I, I would go with you on the toss up there. The only reason why I say Megan is because she is made for these team events. Georgia, you could say the exact same thing as long as it's a partner side of it. I don't know about singles wise. I would probably lean Megan. Okay, I'll note you. USA. Uh, next one. This is where you start to get into the depth of my, in my opinion, for Team Europe. Ling Grant versus Jennifer Cupcho. I think this is a strong Euro advantage here. Yep, I uh, Ling Grant one hundred percent. Next up, Carlota Saganda against Danielle Kang. I think based on form. Based on the Solheim being in Spain, I'm pretty comfortable saying advantage Team Europe. And Carlota is just going to slow play the shit out of her. It's going to drive DK crazy. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, okay, in the seven hole, Anna Norquist versus Andrea Lee. 
Anna Norquist is a three-time major winner. I don't care about her form this year. I think it's a, a pretty good advantage to Team Euro. Yes. The only thing that could change that is when once we get out there and we actually see these green complexes and seeing uh, if she can run a putter up or if chipping will be involved. That's a great call. In the eighth hole, Maya Stark versus Rose Zhang. This is another fascinating one. I think Ro- okay. I think Rose is going to be tired. She has to be tired. I think slight, slight edge to Team Europe, which might sound crazy. Yeah, it sounds crazy. Uh, the the thing about Rose, what's confusing of late is, I mean, you you saw her, you walked her entire round with her. Some very weird miss hits, like a little wipey right, some weird pull lefts. Did not put the ball. wedges. Yeah, did not pot the ball very good. Bad distance control. Like, knowing Rose, I'm sure she was right back at home, like, grinding her tail off the last two weeks. I don't think she's going to have those issues showing up in Spain. But also, from spending time around Maya and, like, seeing how pumped up she gets and, like, her, like, she doesn't get enough credit for being the ball striker that she is. And she can actually, like, put the lights out of it. It's, it's a tough matchup. I... Just because I have to, I'm going to go Rose here. Love it. In the nine hole, Madeline Sackstrom versus Angel Yin. This is a hard one for me, but I give the advantage to Angel based on form this year. She just has, her best has showed up in the biggest events. And if that happens at the Solheim, I, I think it's a, Pretty good advantage for Team USA here. Straight fire from Angel. I can't wait to be drinking tequila sodas with her when this whole thing's done. <laughs> Emma Drybera versus Ali Ewing in the 10 hole. Uh, you could say this is a bit of a toss up. I don't have any reason to lean one way or Drybera. the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except I want to believe in her like Scottish heritage I match know. play. Right. I- I'm going to buy into just some old stereotypes. She seemed more American when we talked to her a couple weeks ago than anything. She did. She did. Yeah, that's a. It's a tough. It's a. Uh, it's a split. I guess we'll wait and see what Allie shows up. Like the Allie that's like making eight birdies around, or or the one that's like struggling to make par. Mark that as a toss up for both of us. Eleventh, Emily Christine Pedersen versus Allison Lee. Boy. I like Again. Emily. Uh, I don't think form, if you want to play that card, will look there. I think uh, the event, the time, the space, knowing who she's playing for, being in captain's pick, uh, her caddy, who she currently has on the bag, used to be Suzanne's caddy. Um, they have a very, very close relationship. And I don't want to say, you know, we do it all. We're doing it all for the Gipper. But I think uh, being put in that spot means an awful lot to Emily. I think she'll show up and perform. Couldn't have said it better myself. And then last but not least, Caroline Headwall and we'll say Ryan O'Toole. I'm going to, for a lot of the same reasons, I'm going to give the advantage to Team Europe just because for Caroline, this is going to mean a ton to be on the team. She's going to want to play her best for Captain Pedersen to justify the pick. So I'll go slight lean to Team Europe there. It's hard to go against uh, any of the Swedes, but I agree with you on that one. Plus, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were... Can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. We're sitting down having our coffee and churros. I think behind the sixth green, and 
Caroline came rolling through and made that birdie putt right in front of us and like let out the loudest fist bump yell. She was so jacked up about it. I was like, oh my goodness, man. It's like round one. You got to calm yourself here. But I could not imagine seeing that in person for, uh, you know, three days straight. It gets me so fired up to watch this. Amen. So just quickly going through first impressions. I mean, we see two strong American. I won't even say we see one strong American advantage and that's Lilia Vu. And then we both like Angel Yin over Madeline and we both like Allison Corpus over Leona. And other than that, it's all leans strong to Team Euro to at worst some toss ups with Rose and Maya and, and Gemma, Gemma and Ali Ewing. It's hard not to see a world where the European squad is not uh, closing out that Sunday, winning the Solheim Cup for the third time in a row. It's tough. And the only saving grace that we have is that for some, you know, to get back to opposite years as the Ryder Cup, we got another Solheim Cup next year. So we'll see. I'm not saying we're... Uh, we're cashing this one in and just waiting and building for next year. But I think this is going to be a tough, tough year for Team USA. I agree. We're going to save our official predictions for week of. Let's uh, let's close the show, Cody. Quick Epson Tour update. They have six events left on the Epson Tour. The Epson Tour, of course, being the equivalent to the Corn Ferry Tour what that is to the PGA Tour. It is the feeder tour for the LPGA. And just a couple things to call out. Gabby Ruffles recently won for the third time this year on the Epson Tour. She has clinched her tour card for 2024. There is no battlefield promotion, unfortunately, but we're going to see Gabby get some sponsors exemptions the rest of this year, and I cannot wait to see her week in and week out next year. Gabby's in the field this week in Canada. People that uh, want to get excited and say, hey, what's up with the Battlefield promotion? I understand that's just not that. I remember they came back, they ran the numbers, and it just didn't make sense. There's not that many people that get in based off of where they slot in in their categories. And to that, I would say you probably need to fix the categories that they're slotting into then if you want uh, a Battlefield promotion-like thing to work out. But Gabby in the field this week in Canada. Uh, excited to see her play on the big stage. I'll say last week's winner, Zhao Wen Yin of China. She won a shortened event up in Oregon. They were dealing with wildfires and hazardous air conditions. It was her third Epson Tour win, and I only this this kind of tickled me. She she is an LPGA member, okay, but she couldn't go to Northern Ireland because she had visa issues. So instead of just taking the week off, she went out to Oregon. She played in the Epson Tour event. She ends up winning. It's her third Epson, her third career Epson Tour victory, but she does not have to worry about getting a card. She already has her card. It was sort of a one-off because of visa issues. And so that leaves us, as I said, six events left in the Epson Tour season. This week, they're up in Idaho at the Circling Raven Championship. Jillian Hollis is looking to defend her title. A couple names to call out as far as looking very good to clinch their cards for next year. Natasha Andrea Un has all but wrapped up a card. It's it's not official, but she's going to have a card. And then the other one, Jenny Bay. You might remember her from Anwa. She was University of Georgia product. She has won for the second time in just six starts since coming out onto Epson Tour after finishing her collegiate career. She appears to be headed for the LPGA next season, which is cool. 
And there's a real fight going on. Sixth through 13th place on the Epson Tour. The top 10 receive their cards. So sixth through 13th place is currently separated by only about $12,000. So be sure to check out the Epson results these remaining six weeks. Uh, it should be very exciting coming down to their tour championship here in a couple months pumped the other person that uh we always kind of talk about and like we wonder like where's this phenom what's actually happening up here speaking of sponsors exemptions along with a slew of canadian professionals and amateurs that are got into the field this week but also a uh, gianna clemente also in an lpga event up in canada so excited to see what happens there big week for the lpga tour Big week for Solheim Cup and what this means for Team USA. Congratulations to everybody who made the European squad. Could not be more excited about that. Get out to Spain in a couple weeks. Biggie, thank you so much for setting up a couple penthouse apartments for us. We're going to be living large uh, and I guess having a hard walk there. But I'm sure, you know, <laughs> the wine and the the cheese and the meats and everything else that goes along with uh the tapas action that we're going to be having is going to be well worth it. Uh, yeah. Amen. I'm looking forward to some siestas maybe <laughs> during the day, some fiestas during, during the evening, some of those long, long Spanish dinners. It's going to be a great time. Uh, quick note. We are going to be, as far as LPGA focused, we're going to be off next week, but we will have another podcast Thursday uh, after Labor Day. I am actually going to be traveling to Cincinnati. I'm going to be at the, Kroger Queen City Championship there at Kenwood Country Club, hoping to do at least one or two player interviews. So hopefully we'll we'll have some of those for you that week. And then, yeah, we're going to be pretty much right into Solheim Cup Coban. So awesome, awesome show today. Can't wait to see what happens in Canada. And we'll keep an eye out for those captain's picks early next week. So pumped, Biggie. Also, one closing note, we missed it, but congratulations to Megan Schofield from, you know, I think she's a, a Flor Floridian, but plays at Auburn. Ended up winning the U.S. Women's Amateur at Bel Air. Bel Air looked great. We missed it because we were overseas the entire time, but ended up uh, beating Latana Stone. Name should sound familiar mm -hmm. to a lot of people in the finals there. Beat her 4-3, to three. Uh, but congratulations to them. And, uh, you know, this week, I think it's Waverly in Portland where the U.S. Yes, senior women's am. The course looks absolutely, like, crazy. So, so good. I'm so excited well, to watch that. So we don't get in trouble. Is it? I thought it was old Waverly down in Mississippi. No, no, no. It's in Portland. It is. Okay. All right. Let me see. Yeah, Waverly old. Country Club, Portland. Okay. Not to be confused with Old Waverly in Mississippi. No, My mistake. It's, it's too hot. Don't nobody come south right now to play <laughs> golf. Take it from me. I'm struggling to get out there and hit balls. I don't even want to. I don't even want to putt in my office right now because the AC doesn't go low enough. But that's what we get big. We will. Uh, we'll get out of here. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Titleist. Enjoy the Canadian Open this week, and we will be back soon to talk more women's golf. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different?